this amateur hour. Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just an amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's AHPKC is brought to you by ArrowheadPride.com. This is a show about football and friendship and fun. We're truthful, but not always accurate. We're red and yellow and ridiculous. We're basically Andy Reid's wardrobe, but but a podcast. Enough of the formalities. Can we talk Chiefs now? Let's go. his darkness. What's up? What's up? Well, What's up? Dirk Diggler. What's up? I wanted to uh, talk a little more Chiefs with you this week before the Kansas City football team takes on the Tennessee Nashville football team. We uh, we recorded a little show with our friend Carrington Dot Harrison from 610 Sports. You guys can uh, check that out. I'm sure you've already the- heard it. Amateur Hour podcast feed via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, something, something, something whatever. Uh, <clears throat> but before we get started, quick shout out to the sponsor that shall not be named. As the Chiefs continue to win football games, even in very strange fashion like they did against the Broncos. Um, I gotta tell you, I, was, I, I didn't know if we were going to give them shouts or not if we lost that game, because I didn't know how to play it. Because yeah. it didn't really count, so it was kind of like a preseason game. Like, are we still on this streak? But we lost the game, so, you know. But we took care of that, and we will not be naming our chief sponsor. Uh, but You're welcome, everybody. For their support of our program. Yes, thanks. And thanks to you guys for support of their products. For moisturizing the hair on my face. And uh, Greatly appreciated. I know. Okay, so a lot of the stuff that we talked about with Carrington was more kind of like... On the, the macro like side. A, it was like a playoff preview. Playoff like a, like a whole playoff preview. Yeah. So, I mean, plenty of talk about Pittsburgh and New England and, and things like that. And I think that you and I wanted to maybe uh, kind of put under the microscope uh, some of Patrick Mahomes in the Denver game. Yep. Because uh, obviously that was fun and exciting. But in addition to that, maybe focus a little bit more on Tennessee specifically because, yep. you know, you got to win that one before you worry about whoever your next opponent is. So um, let's, uh, let's start with, yes, sir, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, overall thoughts, Dirk? Uh, he was really good. He was really good? Uh, yeah. Uh, just, just seeing him. I, I thought he came out pretty nervous. Uh, I thought he was a little indecisive, and he was he was putting a little too much heat on his throws. Uh, and after that, I thought he really settled in and just played uh, about as well as you could hope in in a game like that. Like I was came away very impressed. I thought honestly that 
some of his better plays came on third down. Yeah. Um, so that was that was fun to see. I mean, I think the Chiefs still only finished like four of twelve or something on third down, but it still just seemed like you know some of those throws to Albert Wilson were on third down. The one when he's got a guy wrapped around his waist was on third down. There's one where he completely shakes off a defender. That's the one you're talking about. And there's another one where like pressure's coming all around him, and he's just kind of sliding around the pocket, but keeping his eyes up the whole time and hits Albert Wilson again in the middle of the field. Um, Just a couple of plays that you're just like, Alex isn't doing that. Like, if he gets that pressure, he's dropping his eyes, and he's looking for a way to scramble out of the pressure, whereas Mahomes was just kind of sliding around the pocket and, and, you know, trying to find room to get the, the throw off. Manipulating that space and manipulating defenders with the way that he's using his body and stuff. It's and just like, amazing. He His eye manipulation is probably his, might be his, like, top asset. Yeah, and it's amazing that he's doing it at such a young age and at such an early stage of his career. Um, I mean, we have to remember, this is the first time that he's played a game that matters in over a year. And, and that's, and that's, it's the first that's time that saying that Texas Tech games matter, which, which right. is debatable. But it's also, I mean, this is also the first time that he's really played like live action since the last, or I guess the first week of September or something. I mean, we're talking about like four months of just being at practice. So, um, Which makes him coming out out of the gates like that all the more understandable. Right. I think, so here's the thing for me, like, I think what I was most impressed with, and it's not that we hadn't seen it before or that, uh, you know, everyone and and all of their extended family hadn't already had this conversation, but the ball velocity from this kid is so impressive, and it's just like, he's, he, there are a few different times where, like, what he did wasn't any different than what Alex would do, but then the result of the play ended up being gaining six or seven yards on a ball that he was able to rocket to a receiver that Alex would have either thrown away or thrown at the guy's feet or something like that because Alex just doesn't have the arm strength to make some of those throws. Yeah, one one in particular, he's kind of rolling out right with pressure, you know, chasing him down pretty much, and just kind of heaves off his back foot, you know, to the outside. And it's caught, and it's just like a little six-yard comeback route. But it's a play that, you know, is physically impossible for Alex Smith to make. He just cannot make that throw. I I had a lot of fun watching him and seeing some of these things that it's just like, that it's, it's unique. There just aren't a lot of guys that can do the things that he's able to do. And... Knowing that he's doing that with Demarcus Robinson and Jehu Chesson and Demetrius Harris and, and what I would say was bread and Berter. <laughs> that was my <laughs> that was my favorite from Woo! the game. Bread and Berter. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, him doing that with sort of a patchwork offensive line and um, guys that. A lot of the year just didn't see much of the offense. I mean, Demarcus Robinson, I don't know if he had more offensive snaps than Albert Wilson did, like, on the season. But, I mean, basically, it was Robinson and Chesson that started the entire game. Like, they they were his outside receivers all game long. Yeah. And who knows if Albert Wilson would have even played if that 
yeah, didn't get Jeff hurt. Hadn't early gotten hurt. I mean, Albert only played. He played just under half of the offensive snaps, and they they had to put him out there because they didn't have another option. Yeah, um, elevating Marcus Kemp uh, will. I will see what he does. I would think that if anything, he's probably just involved on special teams. He probably won't get much in the way of offensive snaps unless they're blowing somebody out. Oh, in the playoffs? Um, I would guess yeah. He, I would guess he'd be inactive. I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if he is is maybe a gunner, potentially. He was pretty good at that in preseason, but I don't know if they want to throw him right into the fire. Um, I... I think that like my lasting memory of this game from Mahomes was just that I just I just think he's ready. Yeah. You know. I see we kind of talked last week and I don't think I factored in like Mahomes performance is going to affect uh my choice for who should be quarterback next year. And as the week went on last week I was like I think I actually think this game is going to weigh heavily in that decision. And that just kind of came naturally from after we recorded to to game time. And he was good enough that it's kind of raised the bar for Alex. Because uh, uh, even us with Carrington just now, I was kind of, you know, playing defender of Alex. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be... The, the, how good Mahomes looked, it's going to be even harder to bring Alex back now. Like, we're lo- it, he has to win the divisional round game. That's, that's a no doubt about it. And it to bring Alex back next year is that what we're, what we're talking about here? I mean, I th- I think that I think that Alex is that the, that's the second game. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, so basically, the Chiefs so have the to Patriots. get the Chiefs have to get to the AFC Championship. I think for it to be a conversation, to they, have to, conversation. they have to win two games in this in these here yes. playoffs. Yes, um, I, I think it's just very likely that Mahomes is going to take over in twenty eighteen. Like, I like, I feel that way too. Let me ask you this question though. I I think that. We've seen, for most of the year, the best performance that we've gotten from Alex Smith. We, we kind of joked about how many times have we said, is that the best ball Alex Smith has thrown in his career? And that was over and over and over this year. Um, and your, your, I guess, prediction for the season was that Alex was going to play better because he was feeling heat from Mahomes. Well, Mahomes just played quite well. Andy Reid, cagey, but very complimentary. And they pull Mahomes because they're up by 14. And then four minutes later, it's a tie game, and they put Mahomes back out there. Yeah. And he goes on a game-winning drive yeah. in his in his game. And it was, I mean, it was seriously like, you know, the guy comes out of a phone booth to yeah. go, to go <laughs> yeah. save the game. Oh, very confusing. Um, it was such a strange situation. I mean, do you think that this... Stokes the fire even more, even though the, over the last few weeks Alex has been playing like the Alex that we saw early in the season again. Yeah, I mean, if you apply that same logic to now, you would think like we're going to get the best out of Alex Smith in the playoffs. Uh, I hadn't really thought about it like that, um, and it's you know Alex had this great season. Is it a product of you know being pushed by Mahomes? I mean, he certainly was throwing downfield more, and that might have been a direct product of that. Mm-hmm. Or it might have just been Tyree Kill playing this many more snaps, and that's why he's throwing more downfield, because we finally have a weapon to throw it to downfield. Uh, tough to say which one is which, but yeah, if, if you're taking that logic and, and applying it to right now, that's exact same logic, then yes, you would think, you know, Alex is about to go have a really good playoffs. Well, and in, in listening to 
the guys from the star, the the A team. Um, I mean, Therese has been pretty adamant that the reason that Alex played the way that he did, like the style that he did this year, which basically is throwing the ball downfield, being more aggressive, trying to at times throw guys open, attempting plays that he hasn't in the past, was because he saw Mahomes do it. He's watching this kid do things that he doesn't do and saying, I have to I have to try. And you're going all the way back to like training camp here and, and preseason, but, but and you're seeing the team's reaction. You're seeing the fans' reaction out there to throwing downfield, and then the team on the sideline is just like, whoa, like maybe there's something to this throwing downfield thing. Yeah, yeah. And I mean I I they also they had mentioned that they're like there's some things in this locker room that like we're just gonna allow to stay in the locker room. But needless to say, the defense was maybe even more excited than the offense was about watching Mahomes and and in their conversations after the game, like coming up and who's talking to Mahomes and what are they saying. It seemed like the defense was was pretty pumped up. Um, I think that, especially when you take into account the guys that were on the field with him, um, really impressive performance and. I think the best part about it, for me, in what way did Pat Mahomes directly contribute to a touchdown? He didn't throw one. He didn't run one. Almost ran for him. Horseshoes and hand grenades, man. Like, Pat Mahomes, on the stat sheet, had an interception. And some completions and some attempts and some yards. That's what you got. So, you're not talking about him going out and having this unbelievable statistical game and yet everyone is still pretty excited. Yep. And you saw like what the guy's capable of. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But looking at the stat sheet it's just zero touchdowns, one interception. Yeah. yeah. I mean and that's the thing that I think that, you know, kind of got me excited was that he and all of his teammates and everybody else is just so juiced off of this game that the Broncos the defense sheet, is juiced. Yeah, I mean apparently. <laughs> but you're looking at it and it's like People can see it. Yep. You can you can yep. see something in him that kind of, at least in some ways, transcends the stat sheet a little bit, I guess. Um, my favorite stat from the game, if I may, a non-Patrick Mahomes stat, Anthony Sherman, the sausage. 14 carries! He had 14 carries for 40 yards. Kareem Hunt had one for 35. <laughs> but- Brilliant strategy. I loved it. I freaking loved it. <laughs> Uh, as, yeah, yeah. Once once I realized like like Gurley's not going to play last week, and and he's he was what like fourteen yards behind him, I think. Like, like that. man, go get him that. Like that's that's a really cool thing to have. Like it's sixth rookie since the nineteen seventy merger to lead the league in rushing. So I thought that's cool. Uh, and the first know, since twenty sixteen. Uh, who led in twenty sixteen? Zeke Elliott. Zeke. Uh, yeah, oh. I guess that makes sense. Oh. He ran Long-standing for streak there. Yeah, take that, Zeke. <laughs> um, that is. I, it was fun to see sausage. I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was pretty good too. I mean, the fourteen for forty is like a little misleading because I mean he had a couple runs in there that I was like, look at this. Yeah, like, he's pretty capable. Yeah, a little juice. Um, I mean, and and then because Akeem Hunt gets injured, and I mean, dude, he looked like he was like rearing to go. Um, and, but man, he's just, he's got such a slight build that it was like, he, he had one hit in one shoulder and it was like, well, you got to sit down now. <laughs> um, and so the Chiefs bring back old friend CJ Spiller. Yes. 
I, as heard on, on last week's podcast, I think, or maybe two weeks ago. Um, also I mean, heard six weeks ago and nine weeks ago and 12 weeks ago. So I think that having C.J. Spiller is a good thing. Um, one of the stats that uh, we, we talked a little bit about in the podcast with Carrington was that Tennessee is last in the NFL in passing situations against running backs. Um, so... C.J. Spiller and Sharkhandrick West um, in passing situations. I mean, you could say Kareem Hunt, too, obviously, but usually you're talking about Kareem Hunt not being on the field on third down. Um, I, I think that those guys can put some work in. I think that Kareem can put some work in, too. I, I don't think Spiller's going to see the field. I sincerely hope at this point, just because of what they've seen from him and the way, like, the kind of the role that the team is on, that it's just all Kareem all the time, and I mean maybe right now, yeah, maybe on time. third and fourteen when your running back is not going to do anything other than pass block. I've got Sharkhandrick West out there, but aside from that, I want Kareem Hunt on the field for eighty-five percent of the snaps. Yes, and I mean we've talked all season about you know limiting the touches of Kareem Hunt. That's looking from a season's point of view, not a game's point of view. When Kareem Hunt's a running back that seems to get stronger the more carries that he gets in a game. So yeah, I, I want to see as much Kareem Hunt as possible. I want to, I want to give him the fucking rock. Um, but I don't. I'm not expecting much. Even when Spiller was here, he wasn't playing much. I mean, I think right. we'll see, you know, 80 percent Kareem Hunt and the rest Sharkhandrick West. And I don't think Spiller really sees a snap of note. Really quick, quick note on him. And I do, I do have a few more things that I think we should talk about from the Denver game. Um, but just while we're on Spiller, while we were driving home. You said, okay, so Dat's out because he got put on IR, and then um, we we're trying, basically trying to figure out who's going to return kicks. Well, yeah, Akeem Hunt went out. Akeem Hunt, too, right. So we we're basically it was like, okay, well, I guess it's Tyreek time. Chesson returned kicks last week. Didn't look great doing it. What about Spiller? Spiller's probably a possibility. That's probably yeah, one of the reasons was, he's in there. That was one of the things that I said. I mean, just in signing him, I guess it just registered to me like C.J. Spiller, kick returner, potentially. But I think you and I both agreed. Oh, it should be Tyreek. It's it's playoff time. It's it's single game, you know. Yeah. It's, it's Tyreek time. Tyreek back there. And you have uh, him take every kick back? We've kind of struggled with the old, you know, Taub returning every kickoff out of the end zone this year. Uh, we've kind of I mean, we've gotten tackled at the fifteen a lot. It seems like I'm going to blame the lack of DJ Alexander. Yes, exactly. And, um, and Kelsey McRae. So I want to talk a little bit about the defense from the Denver game. Um, and I really can we just can we just take a moment? I just want to praise John Elway for sticking to his guns and bringing back Vance Joseph. Yes. And, also, apparently, bringing back Bill Musgrave, and they just—they really want to, you know, stay the course. Continuity. That's and that's how the Chiefs are doing. It's continuity. It's, it's really important that they stick to their guns with these guys, and I, you I, know, I think, I think they've really got something in Paxton Lynch there too, man. Yeah, yeah I was you impressed. Know, I was impressed. I I'm really. We're gonna be talking about Paxton Lynch versus Patrick Mahomes for the next twelve years. So, get ready for it. <laughs> get ready for it. That's right. <laughs> Uh, the defense was... This, well, the great part is they were totally ready to fire Vance Joseph. And then the players were like... Like, the players really vouched for him. Like, no, you can't fire. Like, we love playing for him. And it's like, 
you know, we just watched you play a football game against this team of backups, and it didn't really seem like you guys cared that much then. But you guys are telling me you care now? Hey, Akib, uh, you walked when Kareem Hunt ran right by you for, for a touchdown. You walked and threw out an arm, maybe. Kind of Daria'd it. But no, we really want to we want to win this for Vance Joseph. We we got to have him back. Thanks thanks Broncos who just got their asses kicked by by no names. I dude, I mean, you look at the guys that were playing on defense and like I think I just expected that like s- at least some of the starters were going to be out there like dude, Daniel Sorensen like didn't play. Like oh that I mean and I'm 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 that's a guy that I'm just like what a play Sorensen I don't care sure um, I, I mean, think you sit as many people as you can which was kind of weird to see Chris Jones out there for a lot of the game they went out of their way to try to rest as many guys as they possibly could I mean Terrence Smith I mean look at just look at the linebackers it was a Ligway and, and Smith most of the game a Ligway Smith um, Tano Passanio I think played every snap. And then I can't and remember good. the other inside linebacker, but it was it was not Ragland. It was uh, no inside was Aligway and, and Terrence. No, Aligway played edge. He played outside opposite K Pasa. Oh, really? It was so weird. Huh? Yeah, because they played no Zombo, they played no Tamba, they played no Justin Houston. It was Aligway and K Pasa on the edge. Huh? Interesting. Or as I've been calling him, Aligbe. Oh, Mabay. So. Uh, they they just they man they really put like all replacement players out there as best they could um, and and this goes to something that I I tweeted so I got to watch the first half and then I had to go to work and then I came home and at about two o'clock I sat down and I watched the second half and ultimately Mellinger was doing his Mellinger minutes and I took. One of my tweets, and he just like tried to send it to him too. Like, I want, I want to have a conversation about this. So, I guess it's time for you and I too, because Sam snuffed me. Okay, I didn't see it, but it doesn't surprise Can me. We... I mean, Sam's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely how I would choose to describe Sam. <laughs> um, teams having to play playoff games on a short week. Ah, I don't. I don't understand this other than, like, quite literally, it seems like the only thing, the only reason that we have games on Saturday and Sunday when it's the playoffs is because, number one, they're not competing with college football anymore. College football is done. And number two, they can just, you have four games and we can just not have them compete with each other well, at yeah, all. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want them all to have their own windows, yeah. And, and I. It's definitely a TV decision. But. It doesn't make any sense to me that you have teams that won their division and earned a home playoff game. And you could say that this is maybe just a Chiefs point, but, like, the Chiefs deserve to not have to play a game on a short week. Just as much as whoever plays on Sunday, if they end up having to play on Saturday next week because we don't like the market that you're in or the matchup that you have, so we're going to have you play on Saturday. Well, that was they're a, playing on a short week. That was a thing last year with the Steelers and Patriots. I remember the Steelers complained about that. It just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me that you're potentially giving teams advantages, and all it is is just schedule makers trying to figure out what people want to watch the most. Well, from one week to the other, you might lose a day, yes, but everyone's playing on Sunday at the same time, so everyone's playing this Saturday playoff game 
at the same time. Like, Titans and Chiefs have the same amount of rest. If anything, it benefits, well, it greatly benefits the team that can, you know, use Week 17 as a bye week, which is us. And I think it also benefits the home team. Because that's what I usually look for in, in you know Thursday night games or short weeks like that. I, I still think just, it benefits the home team. I still just think it's stupid. Like I, I mean, the Titans shouldn't have to be in that scenario either. I mean, I you should. You, should, you know what you should do? Protest the NFL. Like, you should not watch. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's I would pretty much the only move. I would definitely be joining millions of Americans. Oh yes. Yeah. On millions on both ends of the spectrum, and you're kind of in the middle. So they, they we need a middle-led protest, and I think that's that's a good one. I and you know what platform I'm going to use? What's that? Twitter. Oh, I'm going to use Twitter. I'm going to complain a, a lot. Start a hashtag. <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> um, one of the guys that I think played really well against the Broncos was Terrence Mitchell, um, and something that. Maybe, I don't know if this is, like, something that other people don't recognize. I feel like I walked away from that game saying, you know what? I think that, like, fans, for the most part, are pretty unanimous in liking Terrence Mitchell. We all seem to like him, right? I like him. But I just don't think the coaches think very highly of him. I feel like they've done everything they can this season to replace him, and whether that's we're going to start Philip Gaines, or we're going to start Kenneth Acker, or we're going to sign Darrell Revis off the street. You know, they're they're not putting a whole lot of faith in him, but it seems like every time that Terrence Mitchell does get an opportunity to play, that he makes some plays. Like, he is a playmaker when it when you boil it down. Yeah. Um, and the, the thing with that spot... The only guys that are under contract right now for 2018 are Marcus Peters and Steven Nelson. They have a team option for Darrell Revis. But Philip Gaines is going to be a free agent. Kenneth Acker is going to be a free agent. And uh, our guy, Terrence Mitchell, going to be a free agent. I don't know if any of those players are going to come back. Like I think that they might just have Peters and Nelson and then replace all of those guys at corner... Um, which makes me a little nervous going into the playoffs, knowing that only two of like six bodies that we're using at that position, at a really important position, we probably just aren't going to have them next year. Yeah. Why, why is that? Um, what would their free agency have to do with? Um, I guess I'm just saying that like it, it makes me a little nervous going into these high-pressure situations that it seems like the fate is already determined for a lot of these guys. I mean... Maybe it is an opportunity for them to step up and make some plays, but do you have faith that a Terrence Mitchell or a Kenneth Acker or can't be Philip Gaines because he got put on IR, his career as a chief is done? I don't think any um, of those three guys are going to play. Uh, but so it's then Darrell. Reeves. I think they made their choice. Yeah, I mean the Week 16 game, Mitchell didn't take a snap. So so You're looking at Revis Nelson and Peters for the game. Yeah, and um, I mean, how do you? How do, you, how do we feel about Darrell Revis? Tough to say. Uh, could definitely see us it biting us, I guess. Um, I think we kind of talked about this one week, like who opposing defenses are go- or opposing offenses are going to attack. Yeah. And you were kind of talking Revis, and I was kind of talking Nelson. Uh, I mean, how I, short is the leash on Revis? Like, at what point? Oh, he could definitely get pulled. I think. 
they don't have yeah. any you know, long-term ties with them sure. whatsoever. So, yeah, I think if he's out there struggling, it wouldn't surprise me to see Terrence Mitchell get thrown. And Mitchell know. would be the first guy, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh. I just, I think that, I think that... Fans and whether it's whether it's us or anyone else, like I think that we have a higher opinion of Terrence Mitchell than the coaches do, and I, I honestly would not be surprised if they just if they decided to pull Revis and like put Acker out there. Ugh. I don't, don't know do why, but don't like I just I don't know. I got I got a I have a weird feeling about that position, and I'm not not totally sure what to do with it. I do know that. At least as far as Tennessee specifically is concerned. Yeah, let's get the Chiefs Titans. One of the interesting stats that I saw about Tennessee's offense, Delaney Walker, 24 more targets and 20 more receptions than anybody on that team. Um, Some of that may have to do with Mariota. He's had a really rough year. It was like 12 touchdowns and 15 picks or something like that. And um, I, I think that maybe something that a lot of us forgot is the lower leg injury that he had, which is, I think, putting it mildly, the guy broke his leg in, like, week 16 last or 17 year, yeah. last year. Um, and both quarterbacks that did that took a significant step back this year. Yeah, and I just don't know if Mariota's really been healthy all year. It started out early as they were talking about a hamstring. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. But, he he kind of needs to run to be effective, I think. Yeah. And so the hamstring kind of took that away. But also, I mean, that's... One of the fears with Mariota, right? Is is he ever going to be healthy? I mean, he's not a big guy. Yeah. He's getting, if he's out here getting hamstring injuries, like, can you ever really depend on him for a full season? Well, and I think that really the biggest the biggest issue with the Titans' offense this year, and the reason that they haven't been um, at the very least consistent, if if you're willing to go as far as just to say they haven't been good offensively, is that obviously Mariota's taking a step back, but. DeMarco Murray, they haven't been able to count on either. And both of those guys, you know, you're talking about, even though DeMarco Murray's been in the league a lot longer, like, pretty similar in that you just don't know if you can count on these guys. You don't know when they're healthy and how they're going to perform. Mm-hmm. And the Titans have also been a little reluctant to go to Derrick Henry and just allow him to be their lead rusher. But I I wanted to try to see... There's, there's this stat that... Basically, the Chiefs allow the number one wide receiver of the other team to do very well. The Chiefs are like 31st in the league against opposing teams' number one wide receiver. Yep. So Luckily, the Texans or Titans don't have one. They say that it's Rashard Matthews. Yep. And I think that Matthews, most of the time, plays out of the slot. Because um, they don't end know. up having Eric Decker. Big Dick Decker's <laughs> out there. And then... Uh, uh, the guy that they drafted, Corey Davis. Who's uh, been hurt most of the year also. Yeah, I don't think he's done a whole lot. But, I mean, I guess you could... Re- as far as statistically is concerned, Delaney Walker is their number one receiver. Isn't there a Harry and, Douglas in there as well? I don't know. Is he still Maybe. around? Um, there might be a Harry Douglas sighting on the field on Saturday. Are you worried about how the Chiefs try to cover Delaney Walker? No. Not particularly. Probably an Eric Murray Delaney Walker day? Uh, yeah, I guess so. And I mean, do you or feel, Sorensen, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. I think, I... I mean, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of that. The last time that the Chiefs, well, I say the last time they host the playoff game, the last time before last time, we got crushed by a tight end. Todd Heap? All day long. Are you talking Todd Heap? I'm talking Todd Heap. You know who's covering him that day? Eric Berry. Berry. <laughs> yeah, Berry in his rookie season. Yeah, so, I mean... 
I don't know what what about the Titans scares you? Okay, so good good segue because I got I got four things on the Titans that scare me and four things that do not scare me. Oh, yeah. Uh, four things that scare me: good run defense. They are fourth in rushing yards allowed, fourth in yards per carry allowed, seventh in DVOA. So, a good run defense across the board, and I think that's the scariest thing: is if the Titans shut down the Chiefs' running game. Can Alex Smith and Andy Reid put up points? Uh, you would hope they can, because if they can't, it's going to be it's going to come down on those two. You know, if the offense doesn't score points, all fingers should be pointed directly at Alex Smith and Andy Reid. Like that's that's a fail because because the pass defense isn't very good. We'll we'll get there. Um, behind that good run defense, they do play a zone blitz scheme. Uh, Dick LeBeau, longtime Steelers defensive coordinator, who's the Steelers are still, you know, holding on to his schemes a little bit. Uh, that is the scheme they run. Uh, this has given Alex plenty of fits in the past, but, you know, they've had time to figure this out. It's clearly a problem. Uh, they clearly ran into a number of teams in the middle of the season who, who ran this scheme against the Chiefs to, to success, and the Chiefs seem to have overcome that at least, unless all these teams towards the end of the season have just gone away from it for no reason. So you'd think they'd have the blueprint on how to beat this scheme by now. But they do run that scheme that's given the Chiefs plenty of problems. Uh, how about a mobile quarterback? This has nothing, no stats, nothing. It's just mobile quarterbacks scare me. Um, uh, I probably should have looked at Mariota's like recent rushing numbers would probably be a, a good thing to look at. But I just never like playing a mobile quarterback because it feels like you know, when it's third and eight and you get pressure and you have everyone covered and they run for a first down, it's almost, it's like cheating. Like, damn it, we did everything right and you guys still got the first down and you got this drive going on. Well, I mean, at least as far as statistically is concerned, I can't tell you recently, but he had 60 rushes for over 300 yards and five touchdowns. Not too shabby. And we're talking about, um, and through the middle of the season, had that hamstring injury where he couldn't run. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm going to try and pull that up. The fourth thing that scares me is Derrick Henry, who you mentioned before. Um, fresher than most running backs, I would say, because he's been kept behind DeMarco Murray uh, for most of the season. And uh, he's averaging 4.2 yards per carry to DeMarco's 3.6. You know, Let's see, rushing yards for Mariota. Going backwards his last five games, 60 last week, which is a season high. 24, 4, 11, 23. Um, so you look at the 60 yards rushing last week and you think maybe he's, he's finally over that hamstring injury, so he will be running around. That's, that's what scares me about the Titans' offense is Mariota just running around. Mm-hmm. I, uh, could, I could see that. I, I know you, you kind of brushed it off. I'm a little scared of Delaney Walker. Okay. I don't, feel, I don't feel especially comfortable with how the Chiefs have chosen to defend tight ends this year. It seems like they're just trying to have someone do what Eric Berry did, and no one on this team is capable of doing it. And if they continue to just say, hey, Eric Murray, you're going to do that. Um, I mean, Delaney Walker is a veteran player. He's in his mid to late 30s, but he's still as athletic as most tight ends in the league. I think that Delaney Walker is... Easily a top ten tight end, and he might be like top five or six in the league. He's good. His numbers are great, and I think he's very well respected. And to just say that a guy like Eric Murray, who has struggled all year long, is going to be able to to hang with him when he's—I mean, 
twenty. He's got twenty five more targets than any other player on that offense. Like that just means that whoever's on him is going to have a busy day. Yep. And you know when you're talking about those those third and mid situations where they have the option of either Mariota running or trying to throw the ball to Delaney, Delaney Walker, who is probably going to be the first read in a lot of those. Yep. Um, I mean, that that gives them options to move the chains. If the Titans can ugly the game up, I mean, that's what they want to do, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Their I mean, this is a game... coming in is we're going to hand it off 40 times. and This like, is a game they need to close. get the lead. They need to control the pace. If the Chiefs get up, you know, 10 nothing in the first quarter, it's done. It's done, though. Um, I can see that. Things that don't scare me about the Titans. Um, they've been terrible all season. They have not been a good football team. Uh, I think by almost everybody's account, they'd be the worst team in the NFL playoffs. Uh, they just haven't really put it together. A lot of uh, They kind of ended last year with a lot of promise, and, and they just haven't lived up to the billing this year. Their offensive line hasn't been as good. Their running game hasn't been as good. Mariota took a step back. Uh, I think the defense is probably playing at a similar level, but it's not... Uh, the team that a lot of people expected to see coming into the year with the Titans. Uh, they were a popular surprise pick. And I think they've, despite their record, they've kind of disappointed. Uh, they have played the third easiest schedule in the NFL. Um, their road wins on the season. Jacksonville Week 2, a convincing win, but all the way back in Week 2. They beat the Browns in overtime and the Colts. Those are the three road wins. Um, and then... Last thing that doesn't scare me, specifically, is their uh, pass defense. Uh, 32nd in the NFL versus running backs, uh, a stat that you brought up against Car- with Carrington. Uh, they're also 32nd versus the short pass. Uh, interestingly, third versus the deep pass. I got some, some, some deep dive numbers here. Let's, let's just go into them. Let's just go into them. Uh, 11th versus number one receivers, so, you know, mm-hmm. not great on Tyreek. Mm-hmm. I feel like we skipped a step. Huh. Some deep dive numbers. Are oh. we actually going to dive deep? Or, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm still in my professional, you know, we just we just got off the air with Carrington, so I'm professional. professional. hour. Yes, yeah. let's, let's, tell, let's take this back a notch. Let's tone it down. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? It's too early. Ah, yes, yes. Okay. Feeling better. The old wake and bake. Feeling better. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, so the Titans' pass defense. DVOA kind of breaks this down against specific players, so, you know, just to get an idea for what we're looking for for Sunday. First number one receivers, they are 11th in the NFL, which is pretty good. So mm-hmm. uh, they don't really have a dominant corner, I don't think. I mean, Adoree is kind of their, Playing well. their guy. Yeah, okay. um, and they have Logan Ryan. Um, is there a Long-time starter? Patriot. It's really interesting, like... I, I see, so they have this kid that plays free safety for them that's a second-year player. Bayard? Yeah, so he was like the first pick of the third round in okay. 2016. He's been good, right? And he had a pretty good rookie year. He has eight picks this season. Eight picks. And like no other player on the team has more than one. He's like the, who was the Bills safety that had all the picks? Jairus Bird. Jairus Bird, yep. yep. He's the new that guy. Yep, Kevin Kevin. Bayard. So, um, 
It's it's that they also they really have they've got forty two sacks as a team, and it's really spread out. Seven and a half is their leader, so it's like Morgan has seven and a half, and Arakpo's got seven, and Casey's got six, and Wesley Woodyard, former Broncos, got four and a half, and like they they really come at you from all angles, kind of mo of the Dick LeBeau defense. Yep. Uh, on that part of the uh, deep dive here. They are 7th in sacks in the NFL, but only 15th in sack percentage, which basically means teams are throwing on them a ton. Oh, okay. Because they're, okay. they have such a good run defense and such a bad pass defense that teams are throwing on them a lot. So their sack percentage per play, or per drop back, I guess. Middle of the league. Yes. Okay. Um, so 11th versus number 1 receivers, 28th versus number 2 receivers, 24th versus tight ends, as I mentioned before, 32nd versus running backs. Um, and then 32nd versus the short pass, which I believe is 15 yards and in, and third versus the deep pass. So they kind of look at it. You kind of play a bend but don't break defense. They try and take number one options away. Um, so, you know, if you're looking from a Chiefs offense perspective, that would be a uh, taking Tyreek Hill away, but a big game for Kareem Hunt out of the backfield and a big game for Travis Kelsey or I think any other they're receiver. they're also like 28th against the number two wide receiver. Yeah. I don't know if you said that or not. Yes, so yeah. it's, then it's like, you know, I guess for right now, and it depends on maybe his health, but that's Albert Wilson, right? I mean, yeah, you know, he's he's the number two, I guess. Um, another thing with them, and, and so I don't I don't know how to feel about their run defense. So like Jarrell Casey is that like undersized three four defensive lineman. I think that. When the Titans decided to go to the 3-4, they were just excited because they got Dick LeBeau. But Jarrell Casey had like kind of established himself as that smaller, quicker defensive tackle. The, the Glenn Dorsey role uh, in a 4-3, right? The under tackle. Mm-hmm. And so they go to a 3-4, and they don't know where to play him. They were like trying to play him at nose tackle, and ultimately I think they decided to play him at defensive end. The starting nose tackle for Tennessee is Sylvester Williams, a guy that when we were at the Senior Bowl, the year that Eric Fisher was drafted, we both liked. He played at North Carolina, uh, but I think he like sat an entire season or something because he got suspended. Either way, got drafted by Denver mm-hmm. and could never get on the field. And some of that has to do with Malik Jackson being good and some of the other guys that they've had. But yep. like he got every opportunity ultimately to start and Denver moved on. They said he's not good. And now he's suddenly playing nose tackle for the fourth best run defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, And I, the website I just pulled up, I'm not sure if this is accurate, but it says their other starting defensive end is David King. Um, I have, at least on the on the Titans website, they yeah. have him listed as second string. Okay. Yeah, because I see Carl Klug but, here, and he's, he's a pretty good player, right? Yeah, Klug is in there, but it says that Austin Johnson oh, is okay. the starter. Yeah, so, but I mean... I would imagine that they're probably rotating all of those guys. Yes. And then uh, they've got outside. So Derek Morgan and Brian Arakpo. I mean, everybody knows Brian Arakpo. You probably should know Derek Morgan. He was also a first round pick for them. Both solid um, rushers. And then they have not great. If but... Kevin Dodd too. Um, so I mean, they've got guys that they can send. Um, and it seems like LeBeau has done a great job of, at, at the very least, trying to kind of mask what they do. Um, I just, I'm, I still am not particularly scared of them because I feel like even if the Chiefs maybe struggle to just 
you know, run the ball at Tennessee, that even though I don't think they, they will struggle to do that, even if they do, because Tennessee is so bad against the pass and so bad at, you know, especially covering running backs out of the backfield too, like Kareem has been able to have a day whether he's been running the ball or not. And if you get him going in any facet, it's still just, it makes Tyreek and Travis that much more dangerous. I think, yeah, I think, so the passing game is the way to attack them. I think both you and I agree, if the Chiefs are able to run the ball with consistency, they're going to work them. They should. Correct. Yeah, Yeah. I I can't imagine, you know, Kareem Hunt rushes for 100 yards and the Chiefs lose this game. I just think Mm -hmm. it's pretty much impossible, unless the defense just completely melts down, but... I think if the Chiefs are able to run this ball, because that's the strength of this Titans team, like, overall, would be their run defense. If you break that, I mean, they just got nothing left. Like, there's no advantage for them to be had in this game. Right. So, and here's... here's but, a, yeah, I think I do think it could be a Kareem Hunt, like, you know, 40 yards rushing, 70 yards receiving kind of day. If, if the Chiefs are able to hold Tennessee to 21 points or less, it will basically be two straight seasons of doing that at Arrowhead. And the only game that is an exception is the home opener against the Chargers from last season. That's the only time that a team has scored more than 21 at Arrowhead in the last two years. And so it's, it, it right now stands at 16 straight games, but that includes the Pittsburgh playoff game and then takes away that Chargers game. Gotcha. So, uh, but the problem an amazing is, streak because the defense hasn't been great for for some of that stretch. Right. So uh, an amazing feat to to keep defenses or keep offenses limited like that. The problem, however, is that when the Chiefs lose, they don't score points. They lose nineteen to seventeen, pretty much right. every time. Yeah. So I mean, they lost to the Titans. I mean, that's that's the formula. Despite holding them under twenty one, that's the formula to beat the Chiefs. I mean, you yeah. you play the Chiefs ball, you don't make mistakes, and you you know control the game like that. That's how the Titans will have to do it. And I don't I don't know if man here's so here's the thing. We had a lot of conversations about the team kind of transitioning into a different period um, after those first five weeks, essentially, and how good the offense looked and how bad the defense looked. And I think that the defense has turned around a little bit. They've come to play, at least. And especially when they're turning other teams over, you feel a lot more comfortable with what they're capable of doing because it's not this team has never been it's not about holding teams under a certain number we've used that stat a few different times whether it's 21 or 24 basically in Andy Reid's tenure it's like the Chiefs are really great if they hold teams under a certain number but it's always about turnovers man if the Chiefs if the Chiefs turn the other team over then they win that's usually how it works and Tennessee you you know that Tennessee they People were throwing the stat out that they had a negative point differential. They like it was like negative twenty-two or something. They finished the season. Yeah, yeah. The, so if you add up their, their opponent scores from every single game, it's it's negative. Right. Well, which is rare for playoff teams. It is. Which is why I called them a bad football team earlier. Tennessee also they turned the ball over twenty-five times this year. They finished the season minus four. The Chiefs are plus fifteen. Like, this lines up pretty well for the Chiefs. Yep. 
Um, and, and so I think that that's why everybody should feel pretty confident. It'd be a catastrophic loss. It I would be People will be mad. And probably deservedly so. I mean, the thing is, I mean, we talked to this with Carrington, so you might be hearing this for a second time, but, mm-hmm. you know, the solution is, is so easy if that happens. Like, well, we got a brand new quarterback coming in next year, so, you know, erase the memory of that loss. Like, it, it yeah. sucks, we get that, but, you know, now it became, that was a transition season, and next year is a new beginning. So, you know, there's, we'll get over that loss pretty quickly, I think, because it's just like, okay, well, Mahomes season. To me, I guess, man, I could be wrong. I could, but I feel like no matter who the Chiefs end up playing on the AFC side of things, it comes down to whether or not the Chiefs' offense scores points. Right. That's that's what it is to me. Like, I just, I don't see a way that the Chiefs offense scores a bunch of points and the defense is the reason that the Chiefs lose to Tennessee. No. Um, I could maybe see a scenario in which that happens against New England and or Pittsburgh. Yep. Maybe. Yep. But, like, I still just... I don't think that they're going to get into some 38-34 game with either of those teams. And, they and, might. I, I mean, think that's that might be what you're looking at if it's the Patriots. It's, it's possible, man. I guess it's just... Maybe... I feel like it's more likely that that would be the case with the Patriots. Yeah. Because, as we've, man, we've talked about literally after the first week of the season, like, figure out how to cover Gronk. Yep. Um, but I guess, I just, I feel like I, I don't want to have to just heap so much on his shoulders because I know that, um, I just saw before we started, uh, Charles McDonald at Four Verts was talking about how he was really intrigued by the way that Sean McVay had used Jared Goff this season because it was like, don't get me wrong, Goff has been good, but it seems like he's just part of the puzzle. It's more like the offense is running and Goff is just functioning inside of what McVay is doing. Yeah, Goff, I mean, he's obviously improved, but I think I think a huge part of it is, is McVay's genius system where he's, you know, he's manipulated the radio in the quarterback's helmet mm-hmm. to where... He's taking decision making out of Goff's hands. So Goff's, uh, you know, at the line making these calls. It's McVeigh in his helmet looking at the defense and making these calls because they're lining up so quickly. So they're lined up, and you see the defense before the radio gets cut out. Yeah. At you know yeah. what, fifteen seconds left on the play clock or whatever. I think that's what it is. So I mean that helps, but um, we saw. All right, I guess I saw Seth then kind of jump into that conversation with Charles McDonald and say. I don't think this is unlike what we've seen from Alex this year. It seems like an offense that is doing really well and Alex is just functioning inside of it. Yeah. Inside of the parameters of the scheme, but it's nothing about like what Alex is doing. Alex is the ultimate and, product of his environment quarterback. Yeah. Because he doesn't really have any elite skills, like physical skills. He's got some elite mental skills, I would say. Mm-hmm. But he is playing well because of his situation right now. An improved offensive line. All these weapons of running game, finally, that came back. Like, everything... He hasn't had this around him. You know, and Andy Reid's been around him the whole time. Yeah. You put him with a different coach and, you know, you know, Alex, go win us some games. You might see bad Alex Smith next year. Right. But he is the ultimate product of his environment quarterback. Yes. So, with that being said, that's why I said, like, I don't want to necessarily, like, heap too much on him. 
But I, I really do like. I think that these playoffs are just it's it's about the offense. It's about Alex Smith. It's about their ability to go out and score points. And when this team has looked good, it's when they're outscoring teams. It's not. I don't think that we have won some close games, but most of the time when they've done that, it hasn't necessarily been low scoring. And I, I think that we can all agree that the better unit and the unit that can carry this team is the offense. Yep. And they have to come to play. And and I think that the Tennessee game, I don't want to just bypass it, you know? No, I mean, because I think that that's like, there's such a risk of that because people are looking at how bad Tennessee is, how rough a season they had. They sort of snuck into the playoffs. And, and, and I mean, you talked about, like, the games that they won on the road. I mean, they went 5-1 and one against their division, and their division is terrible. You know, the only game that they lost... The AFC in their, South is terrible. The only game that they lost in their division was the one game that they had to play against a healthy Deshaun Watson, and he put up over 50 points. 57 points, yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not a good football team. They're yeah, not. They're not. But, I mean, everyone is so tempted to look at New England and Pittsburgh because that's what this season has been, you know, waiting for, essentially. Like, we knew it's just going to... We'll see how it happens. Maybe the Chiefs were going to get a bye. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they'd have home field advantage. It doesn't matter. All these different things were possibilities, but ultimately it was, can you beat New England or Pittsburgh? So the temptation is to just look past Tennessee. And I hope that the team doesn't do that because no. like, that's, you, can, that's where you, trust you, can, you can lose. You trust Andy there. For sure. And, yeah, and, and again, I'm going to repeat myself from Carrington, but I think this is a point that, uh, first off, deserves repeating, and it's just something that it's – Interesting to think about. I mean, this is going to be, we just call this, it would be a catastrophic loss. And then one week later, we'll be playing what would be the biggest win for the Chiefs in, let me do the math, 48 years. Since the Super Bowl season of 1969. Um, You know, they won another divisional round game, but, you know, I put more importance at beating the defending Super Bowl champion Patriots or beating your your newfound rivals in the Pittsburgh Steelers, like that win just carries more weight to me. Um, so that's that's where we're at in these next eight days, going from colossal failure to biggest win in almost 50 years, which is an incredible swing. Like, there's so much on the line these next eight days, which is, you know, exciting, scary, all of the above. Yeah, and I mean, it is it is kind of the culmination of the Andy Reid-Alex Smith era. Yep. I would say not the Andy Reid era because he's going to last long beyond this time. Uh, Just getting started with that. But uh, let me ask you this. I, I sort of asked it, and maybe it came off as rhetorical, um, but I asked this in our time with Carrington. The Chiefs finished the season 15th in scoring defense, and they were just so bad statistically early in the season that we, we kind of looked at the schedule and said, they're going to play all these bad teams, the numbers are going to improve, but we don't know if it's just based solely upon competition. Those numbers are going to improve even if the team doesn't, just because they're going to play bad offenses. Yes. That's what happened. Here we are, 15th in scoring defense. I think they were last at one point early in the season. Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, what do you what do you know to be true about well, the Chiefs' defense, and what do you believe about their ability to I don't know help this team in the playoffs? They've played one good offense since then. You got to look at in the Chargers and what? Yes, 
Um, so, you know, that's a positive sign. But you're right. I mean, this was easy to see coming from a long-term perspective. Like, they're going to play much worse offenses here. Um, I do look at it as a different unit. Chris Jones has come on as a different player. Marcus Peters is back to full-on Marcus Peters. Reggie Ragland might be the biggest difference maker in helping stop the run game. You know, he was starting earlier in the season, but he wasn't what we're seeing now until, like, you know, his sixth game or so. I think um, Pierre Lewis plays a factor in that, too, and he's one of the guys that's banged up and is kind of a question mark, at least for Saturday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, we're going to find out. Yeah, for sure. I do think, you know, you mentioned Reggie Raglan. Um, life as a linebacker lover, man, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard sometimes. But... There's a lot of reason to be excited about what we've seen from Ragland. And at least as far as the way that teams have beat the Chiefs this year, um, and a lot of it was, was I guess, earlier in the season, even though we had this stretch in the middle. I'm not trying to just bury that, but the Chiefs have won four straight, you know. When teams were able to be really successful at running the ball, a lot of it was just between the tackles. You know, we've seen that over the past couple of years. And some of that had to do with not having someone next to DJ that you've, you know, had much confidence in at all. Mm -hmm. But it was also kind of DJ slowing down. And there's never been a whole lot of attitude at that spot. I think that's been a conversation about this defense for years. That, like, Eric Berry's sort of your enforcer, and there isn't really even another guy on the team that that does a whole lot in that department. Yeah. Maybe Sorensen if he's around the ball. But Reggie Raglan, this is a guy that um, I don't I don't have all the different scouting terminology. Therese is way better than that, but Thumper. They would say that he is able to sort through the trash. Ah. And so it's this is a guy that can play in the box between the tackles, and go in and punish people. And the way that Tennessee plays, and I wouldn't say it's so much about New England, but the way that Pittsburgh plays too with Le'Veon, like having a guy that is capable of getting in there and and making stops inside that, you know, basically around the line of scrimmage, that's something that this team has sorely lacked for a while. And... I think that Reggie Ragland can make a big-time impact if they end up facing off against the Steelers, and I think that he will make a big impact in this game against him. Yeah, he could be, I mean, we could make the Super Bowl and kind of look back and be like, you know, if we're pointing a finger at someone as what the difference was between past Chiefs teams and this Chiefs team, like, Reggie Ragland. Like, hey, they couldn't stop the run against Pittsburgh last year. We, not, not a whole lot of different personnel here now, except Ragland. Yeah. And like, he's, he could be the difference maker. And also, it's just... People won't want to give Benny Logan any credit, though. I can tell you that much. <laughs> no love for Benny Logan. Yeah, he has kind of fallen on it would be kind of, graves. It would be kind of interesting, though, if suddenly the team ended up, you know, faring pretty well against the run, you know, during, like, a, a stretch in these playoffs, and a lot of it is two linebackers acquired by Brett Veach. If it's Reggie Raglan and Pierre Lewis, two guys that he traded for. Yeah. Um, I mean that that'd be, I guess, a nice little storyline for the you know first time general manager taking over in a what was obviously a surprising situation. 
I also look at, I mean, Raglan playing better at that position because he's being more aggressive. Mm-hmm. You see him attacking the line, kind of running downhill towards the play, whereas I think of the Chiefs earlier in the season, and I, I kind of noticed this with Rameek Wilson specifically on Sunday. He kind of stands where he is, mm-hmm. which is three yards off the ball. And so if he's you know the one unblocked and the one that that's you know has to win the one-on-one with the running back, he's making it three or four yards past the line of scrimmage. So it's already kind of a successful run. Yeah. Whereas you see Raglan attack that line and you know tackle the ball carrier in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage kind of thing. And that's just kind of that's one of the improvements with the defense overall is just them being more aggressive, I think. We talked last week about them being in press man to man more often instead of off the ball. Yeah. And it's just been a sort of philosophical change of being a more aggressive defense. I think it's benefited benefited the defense a lot. I think that, like, the the NFL is so much about specific game planning, but I I really think that Andy being able to hand the offense off to Matt Nagy, and I don't know how much time Andy ever spent with the defense or if he just let Bob Sutton have his autonomy and just say, I'm going to, you know, focus on the offense and you focus on the defense and we'll do that. But this is not... We're not talking about, you know, Sean McVay and Wade Phillips here. No, no, no. So it's... I think it's an Andy Reid trait to, you know, play bid but don't break defense. I think that's... But but that's the thing is that, like, that is not how his Eagles teams were because Jim Johnson had a very specific identity. Okay, that's true. That's and, true. and so now I look at it and I say, I'm wondering if Andy having maybe just at least a little bit more free time on his hands... To not have to get into all the nitty-gritty stuff that Matt Nagy is doing. Mm -hmm. Of course, he still has his hands all over the offense. But I'm wondering if Andy just being able to talk to Bob and whether it's encourage him or just ask questions and challenge him on some stuff because he's got a little more bandwidth to do that. That that's helped them out. Definitely. I don't don't know. I mean, that's that's like Chiefs Homer stuff, potentially. But that's me trying to look at it and say... Like, I mean, I, I hope that it helps, but some of it also has to do probably with Sutton just getting more comfortable with the pieces that he has. And some of these guys blossoming. Reggie Ragland is a, is a huge part of that because they decided in the fourth game of the season, Reggie Ragland is healthy enough to play, so we're going to play him. And whether it was when they decided to start using the three-man rotation, as I think some believe... Or it's Reggie Ragland, the, the speed of the game slowing down for him and him becoming more aggressive. Or maybe it's the way that Sutton is calling things. I don't know. It could be a product of all of this. Well, he didn't he didn't play it all last year, did he? Ragland? No. He got he got hurt. He missed the entire yeah, so, season. I mean, we're talking his first NFL game in that in that week four game. So Yeah, and he wasn't partic- I I mean, I don't know how healthy he was when they put him out there. Yeah. But it seemed like a pretty quick decision that came out of nowhere and and I mean he struggled for a while. Yeah. So, I mean, him coming on, I think has been a huge help. But, like, there's just, there's a lot of things about the defense that have changed throughout the course of this season. And, man, I still think that there are things that they can do. And I don't, I don't say that as a criticism of Sutton. But I still think that there are things that this team can do, especially defensively, that whether they've been stashing it or they're just starting to figure these things out or what, like... Bob has to continue to try to be creative. We praised him for the blitz design that got Eric Eric Murray a sack in the Chargers game. Chargers or Dolphins. I think. 
Um, but, I mean, you saw a pretty great game from Kepasa against Denver. I think that's helpful because now at least you have three different bodies that you can use not named Justin Houston on the edge, at least in situational football. And I just, I think that there are still some things that Sutton has that hopefully will pay some dividends. You know, you always look at, um, and, and these are two completely different coaches and two completely different sports. But you always look at, when it came down to crunch time for the Jayhawks, Bill Self had something that he could pull out. And whether it was the triangle Chop. two or different like random defenses, the box and one, they would do these things at the end of the game that would throw teams off. That's how they won a national title against Memphis. They suddenly decided that we're going to play this you know, strange form of defense yep. that we haven't really played all year long, yeah. but we know how to do it. And Bill keeping, just waits. Keeping something in the back pocket. And I don't know if that's something that, that Bob is doing. But that seems like an MO of at least an Andy Reid offense. Andy has something in his back pocket, yes. So I'm hoping that Andy's trying to do that with Sutton. Because we've talked about wanting them to be more aggressive. we talked about them wanting to be more creative. And how, essentially, with some of the lack of talent that they've had on defense, that that's been a necessity. And, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. I said this in the, in the pod with Carrington, and we've talked about it kind of ad nauseum, but... I am holding out hope that the Chiefs, who are 31st in the NFL against number one wide receivers, will finally decide that even if it's just a small wrinkle on a third down or whatever, it doesn't have to be an entire game, but that they will decide to use Marcus Peters outside of just the stay on your side. And if we see that, I say we pause the game whenever it is and just start celebrating them. <laughs> just, <laughs> Suddenly, Marcus Peters traveled with the receiver. Like we've been, we've talked about it so much this season. We need, we need to like properly celebrate that moment. Well, so we're just going to pop, we're going to pause the game and like do a shot and then, and then start the game and, you know, catch up the next commercial. But the thing that we I, will be going nuts if Marcus Peters travels with the receiver. Oh yeah. Well, and so here's the thing that I like. Number one, and maybe I'm not giving Tennessee enough credit, I don't think that they need to do that against Tennessee. No, and I don't think they're I – don't, I don't really fear Rashard Matthews over Eric Decker, really, even though right. Eric Decker's had a bad year. But I don't yeah. – I'm not sitting there like, we their need Peters on Rashard. Their numbers are pretty Rashard. Easy, actually. Um, number two, I don't know if I feel like it's that necessarily Patriots. to do against New England. No. Nope. Yeah, so uh, who are you going to do? Cooks? Yeah, I mean, Cooks that, the only choice. that would be it, but I don't think that Cooks has had, you know, that great of an impact on this season. It would depend if Cooks is just completely roasting Darrell Revis, and I don't want him going against Terrence Mitchell because we already saw how that went in the, in the first time that they met up. But I will say this. I could see Chase and Cooks. I kind of like it there. I could, I could see that. But, I mean, it's Antonio Brown. But the like, Patriots... That's, that's what you're looking at is the potential matchup yes. with the Steelers and yes. Antonio Brown yeah. and wanting to throw them off their game. And, you know, the Patriots, they'll be looking to Gronk or their slot receiver or over Lewis. Cooks or Deion Lewis over Cooks. So I don't think it's of the ultimate form. But still, it's a look that you can throw out there and, and you know, no team has seen it from the Chiefs. Right. Like, hey, here's, here's something different. And, you know, they're planning all along. It's probably... Can you imagine them putting Peters on Gronk? 
Like, <laughs> I mean, it's not. I don't. I don't know that that's that's not even I've, like. But instead of like Talib, I'm, th- I'm thinking yeah. of like corners that have fallen. But you need like a bigger corner. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not the right matchup at all. Still but I think it'd be so. I I love to see it. Can we just see that in like a like a Pro Bowl skills competition? Like Gronk and Peters having yeah. to, to play some seven on seven or something. We, we did get a great suggestion one week when we were talking about who would cover Gronk, and and one of my one of my buddies told me uh, we should put Kelsey on him. Oh yeah, that's who should cover Gronk because we're going, we're cycling through defenders here that could cover Gronkowski. Let's throw Kelsey on him. That's great. You, that would be the greatest moment in in NFL history. Like the Patriots go out and then all of a sudden Kelsey trots onto the field on defense. Like what? What's going on here? You know, and he just you just know he pointing at Gronk. Totally game for it too. <laughs> He would be all about. I want to see this hidden Chiefs practice video with with Kelsey playing defense out there and what shadowing Demetrius Harris on the practice field. We had one fan mention that was really funny, and I don't remember what it was, so I'm going to try to find it. And you're going to have to carry the show for the next 45 seconds. Oh, here we go. I got a second part of a. Uh, oh, I lost my uh, video there. A second part of the deep dive here. He's oh, oh, that's not about. Oh, the Marcus Peter Strip Club. Shout out to at Chiefs fan sixty nine four twenty for real yeah a real account wow that guy's awesome love that guy yeah uh, second part of the deep dive here how about the uh, Titans running game this goes along with the Chiefs defense uh, on the road their home road splits ninth in attempts twenty fourth in yards twenty seventh in yards per carry uh, last three games only three point three yards per carry thirtieth in the NFL in that time frame so not a hot rushing offense. And how about this? DVOA has stats of where teams run and how successful they are. So there is a left end, there's a left tackle, there's middle guard, right tackle, and right end. Mm-hmm. Gotcha? Those are the one, two, three, four, and five holes. I get, I guess, yeah. Techniques. Five technique. <laughs> um, so the Titans have some interesting splits there. Around the left end, they average 6.4 yards per carry, which is first in the NFL. That's and this is like running. outside the tackle because there's because the next one in is left tackle, so we're talking like wide sweeps to the left side. Okay, so okay. running at the combination of Frank Zombo and Tano and Tamba and Chris Jones in a corner out there, who's whoever plays out Terrence there. Terrence Mitchell and Darrell Um Every other running lane that they have, they're 25th or lower. So is that Taylor Luan playing. Taylor Luan left is their left tackle. Okay. But I mean this is this isn't even left tackle. I mean it's around the end. So I mean yeah. obviously the tackle is used there. Uh, but I have Eric no idea what blocking. Yeah, I have no idea what this means, but just keep an eye on it that the Titans are really good running around the left end. Okay. Um, yeah, did some deep dives, found some interesting stats that hearing that I kind of I wonder I don't know. I wonder. They started making some interesting, like, kind of switcheroos around out there, and we saw that one where um, they were in nickel, and they, like... What are we talking about? Benny Logan playing, like, all the way out in, like, a wide nine stance, Mm. and they've been putting Justin Houston inside, like, rushing against guards and stuff instead of just consistently being on the edge. Like, Mm. Sutton is kind of tweaking some things. Most of this on third down, though, right? Yeah, I would say so, but... um, I mean, if they see that, which, I mean, you hope that they do. I don't know. Do do the Chiefs coaches deep dive? I would say some of them do. <laughs> I, I don't know if they... I they would do. say Al Harris does. <laughs> 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 he 
He's the uh, the most likely just, uh, deep dive just, candidate. <laughs> I've heard things. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, um, are we gonna? We're gonna beat Tennessee, right? Yeah. The yeah. expectation. Take is care of business. The expectation is that we're gonna beat Tennessee on Saturday, and then it's and on. then we're gonna play at then, New England the following Saturday or Sunday. Yep. Then it's on. All right. Oh, man, I'm ready. I'm pretty excited. Dirk's pretty excited. You guys are pretty excited. Hey, it's Chiefs football. It's playoff time. One last thing. Next, a, a, a technique I started last week, or not last week, last game I went to, that I think was um, yielding some good results. Buying through tickets for less. Some next, oh, yeah, love tickets for less. Some next-level fandom. So my thing now is to, everybody yells, like, when the team goes up to the line on defense. I start yelling almost immediately after the last play, and then rest my voice when everybody else is yelling. Do you follow me? Because, first off, I think it's important that you yell early in the play clock, because that's when they're, you know, radioing in the call. And also, it just gets everybody going, like, hey, there's one guy screaming, so, like, we need to, you know, hey, it's about time to start yelling. So, I think if you're yelling before everybody else yells, it, it, it... has more of an effect on the overall crowd than if we're, if you're just yelling when everybody else is yelling. You follow me? And this is my advanced stats uh, fandom out at Arrowhead. So just just a just a tip for anybody who might be listening, who might be out there on Sunday and wants to make a difference or Saturday. Um, just the tip. Just the tip. Uh, but yeah, so that's the technique I've been working on. Okay. Uh, but the most important thing is to be as loud as you can and. Rip off the seat in front of you and hold it up and celebrate because that's a fun moment for everybody. <laughs> Who doesn't enjoy seeing that? But uh, you know, just be loud. Especially the orange yep. seats on the lower level that they still haven't replaced. <laughs> I don't get it. Can we get can we get red seats down there yet? The or? worst thing is I have it at my house and I have I don't know what to do with it. Like it just uh, my girlfriend actually suggested that like you I use it as the toilet back. So like take off the top toilet seat and just have that as the as the toilet back, which is pretty fantastic. But <laughs> I'm about as unhandy as it gets, so I need, I'm going to need someone to help me. Okay, I can see. But that. I think that would be pretty awesome. Come sit on my Arrowhead toilet. Come take a shit on it, <laughs> folks. This has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He says darkness, and this is you know who, Gary. My man, Gary Glitter. My man. You know my cat, Gigi. Named after Gary Glitter. Named after Gary Glitter. Not really. But all right. It's a bold choice. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. I pumped up, I some, saw, I I pumped saw up Gary. at the Chiefs, and they were like, for the love of God, please play Gary Glitter again. Like, <laughs> Wait, I miss it, it me? so much. Was it me? No, it was just like some <laughs> random person tweeting at the Chiefs like, I don't care. I hear the song, and it puts me in yeah. like tears of joy. Yeah. Give me Gary Glitter. Well, it's from... Oh, I was watching the... Uh, Chase Snyder puts up a lot of like old clips, and it was the uh, mm-hmm. Stoyanovich fifty-four yarder to beat Denver mm-hmm. with that song playing at the end. Man, it just it did things to me. <laughs> yeah, I hear this song and I think of '90s tailgates with my family. I just want to, especially yell. when the game is over, going out to the parking lot and just like waving to all yeah. the opposing fans. Yep. Sad walk back to the car. Mm. Schottenheimer University. I just want that. That you, you, you. That's all I want. Oh my god, I miss it. Oh my god, I miss it.
Yeah, and pointing at the uh, opposing fan that happens to be sitting right next to you. You! And you! I'm going to point right in your face, motherfucker! What are you going to do, fight me? There's, I got 60,000 friends behind me. Yeah, the U's are good. The U's are good, you guys. You. Alright, let's go Chiefs. Hey, I really enjoyed that. Congratulations, honey, you were great.